1: We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat.
0: Mmm, bacon.
1: Okay, all right. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show.
0: So this is episode 21. Um, It it actually should be 20, but someone named Melody misnumbered the (laughs) episodes.
1: I suggest we call it 20.5 and just be done with it, but...
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure how that would work out. So this is episode 21, and you're here today with Melody and Steve, and we're your hosts. We're always your hosts, but we have no guests today, so you're stuck with us.
1: But what we are going to do, we're going to go over the top five things we took away from Low Carb USA in San Diego.
0: That was such a great conference. They always are. This was our third one in San Diego, and we've also attended the low-carb conferences out in West Palm Beach.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't gotten to a low-carb conference and you're just getting into this world and you're really getting interested, you can go online. And you can check out a lot of the speakers and what they have to say, but getting to a conference is so fun because you not only get, do you get to hear them speak, but you also get to talk to them, question and answer afterwards, and you can you can do what we do. We grab them in the hallway and go, hey, I have a question about this.
0: Oh, and, and you know, they're so they're they're pretty happy to share what they've been studying, just like we're always happy to share information with people. So you start building these relationships and these are some really brilliant people at these conferences. So it's it's amazing what you can learn and it's amazing that they actually take time to talk to you. So it's pretty cool.
1: It's it, absolutely cool. And there's a lot of doctors there who have come around to this way of thinking. So it's great to hear their stories of how they got from being a standard American diet person to either a low carb or ketogenic type person and even carnivore now.
0: Yeah, some of them are really switching over to carnivore. And carnivore was a huge topic at the conference. It
1: was. And before we get too deep, I gotta bring up something that we saw this week on on the YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, about, on the YouTube. On the YouTube, and it was Doctor Oz talking on the Wendy Show about diet.
0: It was ke- he was talking about the ketogenic diet, and he was he was trying to explain how sugar actually affects heart disease. And I thought he did a great job with his demonstration there. And he talked about the standard American diet. There was one thing about that that I didn't really go for was that he showed a burger a fries a shake and a Sunday or a soda in a Sunday and that's not always just a typical day for most people um,
1: and and that's not the problem people people <laughs> do have burgers and shakes and fries every once in a while but I'm gonna say the majority of us don't do that but the standard American diet contains a lot of carbohydrates I'd have felt better if he'd shown like some pasta and like yeah, a lean a chicken breast pasta. and maybe a small amount of vegetables because we know that the overconsumption of carbohydrates is just as bad as eating you know, burger oh, fries. Oh, yeah,
0: and the soda probably should stay there because you know how many people drink sodas. Right. It's a huge industry in this country and around the world now. But, you know, he did a really good job, like I said, of explaining how sugar impacts the arteries and how it contributes to heart disease. But he started going off the rails right after that.
1: Right after that, he started talking about fat, and he basically lumped in saturated animal fat with fried foods, like with the fried same thing. food
0: fat. Like it was the same. And what's crazy is they're nothing like each other because there's no animal fat in a fryer oil. At all.
1: No, there's not. There's there's industrial oil or sometimes what they call vegetable oil yeah, that has seed no oils. vegetables in it. Seed oils. Yeah. So he basically went the route of if people do this all the time. We see them talking about a ketogenic diet, and we're like, yeah, they're talking about the ketogenic diet, but when they get to fats, they will exclude red meat and saturated fat altogether like it's some poison.
0: Right. And he talked about something that somebody can correct me if this is actually a thing. But he started talking about this thing called flexible fats and rigid, and fats. rigid fats and he was saying you know um, olive oil and avocados these are flexible oils and they keep the cell flexible and then he started saying saturated fat was an animal fats were a rigid fat and that would cause your cells to harden up and I was like oh dr. Oz, you just lost me
1: oh my that is that is the antiquated 1950s thinking about what fat does in your arteries. And, and if that was what he was alluding to, then you're right. He went from being pretty, pretty knowledgeable to being, oh, my God, I, you don't know what you're talking about.
0: He just went off the rails because then, right after that, he starts talking about, you know, the types of proteins you need to eat, and it was all lean, and it, there was no red meat in there at all. He did say, if you're going to eat red meat, it needs to be lean. Uh, Wrong. Yeah. And then he actually had some whole grain bread sitting there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, this was a part of a healthy ketogenic diet. And I was like, where have you been?
1: <laughs> no, it is not. If, you know, you cannot eat a lot of bread. It will kick you out of ketosis uh, for most of us. And then just to put a cherry on top of his conversation, at the very end, he mentioned alcohol.
0: Oh, and that you can have it. Yes, definitely. And that you can have, go
1: ahead and drink your wine. So you just talked about how healthy you want people to be, and then you went ahead and said, but go ahead and drink your wine. I'm not sure, maybe it's me, but there's no uh, healthy process in the body that happens with alcohol.
0: Well, I know a lot of people and a lot of you guys listening, you know, you like to drink your wine or your alcohol, your vodka, your keto-friendly alcohols. I, I take a hard stance here. I... I have just found that there's no benefit for me. And I know a lot of people will say there is. I have to clear my throat, <clears> throat> on this one. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> but your, your body views any alcohol as soon as it comes in as a poison. So that to me is a red flag that this is something that shouldn't be consumed often and maybe even ever. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the benefit in it.
1: I don't either. And so, Dr. Oz, we, we appreciate the effort, but man, you fell short.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's the serious thing here is that there's a lot of people who might be watching TV that day and thinking, oh, I want to try this ketogenic diet. And they go try it the way that he laid it out, and they feel terrible, mm-hmm. and they don't know why. And then they go tell all their friends, I tried that ketogenic diet, and it didn't work. Well, they did it the Dr. Oz way, which is totally incorrect. Sorry, Oz, but you need, you need to get out a little more. <laughs>
1: you need to talk to us. We need to sit down and have a conversation.
0: <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe you need to have someone on there who has actually been doing the ketogenic diet for a long time and is an expert.
1: Right. <laughs> I, don't <think> he, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's done it.
0: No, I think he's just getting on the bandwagon of the keto thing. And that's the other thing we want to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. So one of the big things we took away... From uh, Low Carb USA is that the keto community is starting to grow and it's it's getting getting large throughout the world and people are really catching on that it's a it's a great diet it's it's a healing of type two diabetes but with that comes the pitfalls of growing.
0: Yeah, and we saw this with the paleo community how all of a sudden all these new products are coming out with the paleo stamp on them. Hey, this is paleo, and you start really looking at it, and paleo is about We all know. It's about eating real food.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And then you look at some of the ingredients that are being put in these paleo products, and you're like, wow, that doesn't look like real food. And the same thing is going to happen with keto.
1: Right. So just because something is labeled paleo doesn't mean it actually is. Right. And it's going to be the same thing with keto. Just because something is labeled keto... Doesn't mean that it always is. So you're going to have to read labels now. But that does mean there's a lot of other opportunities for people out there, for different products that weren't there before.
0: Right? Because sometimes you do just need a convenience product, and like I know we talked to Josh uh, from Peterson's uh, Farms last week, and they have that really cool thing with the bacon in the packets. So you can take that on the plane. You can take that traveling. You can stick it in your kids' lunchbox, whatever. Yeah, that's a good convenient keto snack. It's meat, and f- fatty meat. So that's a that's keto. But you start getting into some stuff that has like a bunch of weird fibers and gums and things in it, and all of a sudden the label says it's twenty two carbs. But, you know, like 17 of that is fiber. I'm going to tell you that might be a disaster pants problem or a really bad, serious digestive issue for somebody. So you have to really become savvy at reading those labels. Right.
1: And look for anything that makes outrageous claims. Like, oh, yeah, you can lose 10 pounds in a week. Well, you're not supposed to lose 10 pounds in a week. If you did, most of that would be water weight anyway. And it's just not going to be that healthy. So anytime a company makes a claim outrageous like that, you really have to be wary of what you're buying.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the best thing is food, real food. You can't go wrong with eggs. Eggs are a keto food. You can't go wrong with butter. Butter is, you know, look for the ingredients. You can even get, like swapped there with a bunch of ingredients you have to be careful mm-hmm. but you know it's just learning to read those labels and being aware that now it's a hot topic so i went to natural grocers not long ago and saw all the different stuff in the store with the tags on it that said this could be keto or this is keto and it was funny. I love the ones that were like, This could be keto. Right. It's like they don't know. I'm they, not sure. They don't know. And I know. there's there's
1: a lot of products out there that are labeled keto that are not. They're just not keto.
0: Uh, we get stuff sent to us all the time. We have people send us pictures of labels all the time that and they'll say, Is this okay for me? And you turn you know, you start reading it and you're like, This says that it's a ketogenic product and like there's not anything ketogenic about it. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty scary for people who don't know, I guess. But. So
1: it's a, a happy sad thing.
0: Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, as we like to say. Yep,
1: a lot of products to choose from, but you have to be uh, very wary of the products. Yeah. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, and this is going to get a little uh, geeky, and we'll try not to get too I, geeky. I
0: won't get too geeky.
1: It's uh, it's talking about if you've anyone has ever heard of it, the. A-P-O-E-4 gene.
0: (laughs) Everybody messes it up. A-P-O-E-4.
1: A-P-O-E-4, A-P-O-E-4. I've heard it said different ways, but um, it's basically a a gene that some people have.
0: Right. And so this is the gene, if you've heard about it, that it can be a determining factor, or they think it could be a determining factor into people who would have more of a potential to develop Alzheimer's. Um, and the thing that's gone around in the ketogenic community for a while is that it, it makes you less able to eat saturated fat. You have to worry about your... It's a cholesterol issue. Those people are usually hyper-responders. Um, so their cholesterol kind of goes up through the roof, and that was concerning. So some people with the APOE4 gene were like, well, does that mean I can't eat keto?
1: Well, because they were told that they they're more uh, predetermined, I guess, to get Alzheimer's.
0: Right, and the other thing was that that the cholesterol was going up really high. Right, they couldn't so, tolerate
1: that. They, they thought they couldn't tolerate fat.
0: Exactly. So they were leaning more. These people were kind of. There, there's been a lot of communication within the uh, ketogenic community. Um, should these people eat more carbs and less fat? All this different stuff. Um, I don't even know if I have this gene or not, and I don't know if you do. No,
1: we haven't been haven't tested. been tested. I this. mean, I know I'm a I'm a, a lean mass hyper responder. I have mm-hmm. high cholesterol, right? And so uh, I don't worry about it, but I know that my cholesterol is high now. What we think and what we heard from the low carb conference this year was that just because you have the APOE4 gene, it doesn't mean that you're more prone to get Alzheimer's. It might mean that you're you're more susceptible to the poor standard American diet to develop Alzheimer's.
0: Right. And the reason why is this is within our evolutionary framework as human beings. This is the oldest gene. And what that means is that you're just mismatched for this modern diet. You're mismatched for eating grains and sugar and excess carbohydrates, lots of fruit, lots of, even lots of vegetables. Um, You're probably more... uh, you you're benefited more by probably eating a lot more fat and protein and keeping your carbs extremely low.
1: Mm-hmm. You got um, you got old school genes basically. You got
0: old school genes. And we won't get too geeky, but there's a there's this is part of the study of epigenetics, which is the study of genes and DNA. And we know that certain genes can be turned on and off. So just because you carry the likelihood that you or you carry a gene that some people have that Get Alzheimer's doesn't mean that you'll get it. It's what flips that switch on, and what flips the switch on seems to be the current research is sugar and carbohydrate consumption in excess. Does that mean you can't have any? Well, that depends on your health uh, currently and how how you process those things. But what we do know is that that gene tends to match better to a more very low carb diet, high fat, protein. Diet.
1: Like, like a caveman. Like a caveman. So if if you have this and you're concerned about it, start doing the research and looking for that. Uh, the, the information might not be as bad as initially it seemed, but I know I talked to some people that had it and they were kind of...
0: People were freaked out. They
1: were freaked out because they're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to get Alzheimer's. I have no choice.
0: Yeah. So that's, you know... <sighs> You don't want to say just because you have a certain gene that you're going to get something. There is a lot to lifestyle that turns genes on and off, and Mm -hmm. we know that. Uh, So it's really interesting to know this is one of the oldest genes in the human DNA, and that just means you're not a match for this modern world.
1: Mm, Right. Yeah. So the the next thing we heard, and we heard this a lot, which was great for us because— As most of you know, we did our carnivore thing. We're still doing our carnivore or high animal protein consumption, however you want to look at it.
0: I like steak. I like
1: steak. We (laughs) like to steak. Uh, So a lot of people were talking about carnivore at the conference.
0: They were. And you know, it was funny because we talk about Dr. Georgia Ede a lot. And I talked to her after her presentation uh, about having her on the podcast here. And so... I know we mentioned her a lot, but she is such an asset to this community and her what she's been doing, but I want to play a clip real quick of something that happened. Every time something happened in the Q&A, it was just comical because here is what would happen. And again, not sound like a broken record, but I had like cramps <laughs> very frequently. I went carnivore and they went
1: away. So I don't know what that means.
0: So if you didn't hear what she said exactly, there was a lot of questions coming up. Mm-hmm. And she said several times, well, you know, you, you might try a carnivore diet for that. And this was probably about the second or third Third time, maybe. Third time,
1: at least that she said it. um, Every time someone came up and they had a problem, there's a panel of doctors, so they have a lot of good information. And she would kind of always come back to, well, if you haven't tried it, you might want to look at a carnivore diet because I think that would help.
0: And in this case, they were talking about leg cramps and sodium intake and how to prevent those. And she was just saying that before she would have leg cramps at night, but since going carnivore, she hasn't had leg cramps. And she wasn't sure what that means.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she does. And it was awesome. Also, uh, when we got there, I think it was the first or second day we were there. Uh, Good Morning America did a story on the carnivore diet, like that morning.
0: Yeah, they did, um, and that was interesting because, <laughs> of course, they at the end said how you know I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. Doctor Jen on Yeah, Doctor Jen made
1: some really stupid analogies that on there that were just horrible.
0: Yeah, you could go in YouTube that. I'm sure it's on there, the carnivore diet on Good Morning America. It
1: was It was not a hard science story. It was a more fun, hey, look at this kind of story.
0: Right. It was. And, you know, I can't recall. I know his first name. I think it's Tyler. He runs the World Carnivore Tribe mm-hmm. on Facebook. Right. And so it was him that they actually interviewed. And they went with him through a day of what he ate. They wanted him to eat raw meat on camera, so he did because there's no danger in that. No. And then um, they did, I think, five guys and got burgers, and the interviewer got a burger with a bun, and then he got like his five meat patty with bacon and everything. But in it, they were showing like a cartoon caveman, and I kind of get a little tired of the of that. Yes. Kind of like. Because n- nobody
1: nobody wants to be like a, a caveman. They don't want to be they don't want to look like one or act like one. So don't compare me to a caveman even though I eat food similar to him.
0: Yeah, I know. I think it's just kind of like a, a, a kitschy thing they do and it's almost like poking fun a little bit without really doing it. it it's kinda of it tongue was. in cheek. But they didn't totally slam him. They just did come on and say it wasn't something they recommended. She kind of did draw, like you said, some really poor analogies about how it's hard on the kidneys. We know from the conference there was a lot of talk about kidneys and protein. And they have. there's no issue with people even in, in renal failure with protein. There was like stages of renal failure where they, they didn't even concern we right. concerned about that, so it was it was just funny how you know she she drew some conclusions that were.
1: That's one of those uh, you know old Atkins myths of it's too much protein going to be hard on your kidneys.
0: Well, right. if you're
1: eating a lot of sugar and carbohydrates, it it might be, but if you're eating a, a keto or carnivore diet, you're not going to have a problem.
0: No, it's not, and it's just, like, still so stuck in the past. They need to really get up on this science.
1: <laughs> and so a lot of people were talking about it, and we were there uh, and talked to Dr. Sean Baker, who is, mm-hmm. is you know, a big carnivore guy. He's a, a retired Air Force veteran, and he he is trying to break the world record for the 500-meter row for over 50. Um, really great guy. He's got a lot of science behind it, done a lot of research, and he's been eating carnivore for, I want to say, two years mm-hmm.
0: I can't remember. I, kn- I know it's over a year.
1: It's It's been a while. So, and, and he's doing great on it. So, you know, we talked a lot about performance and, and eating meat and all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of good conversations. And then a, a lot of people uh, brought up not so much why you should eat meat, but why you should not eat plants.
0: Oh, that was so, f- like, that's still mind-blowing to me because of my past of being, <laughs> I did do a vegan diet for a while, years ago. And like I've said before, that was the worst I've ever felt in my life, the most inflamed, the most just, like, horrible. Um, I was skinny fat. But um, the plants, oxalates, just for instance, that is blowing my mind, learning about that. We are trying to get Sally Norton on the podcast because we want to dive deep into that. Um
1: yeah, once you learn about oxalates I'll never touch spinach again like, Oh
0: my gosh no it's way. like talk about a chemical weapons specialist
1: right're we're not we're humans we're not supposed to eat plants that's kind of how it breaks down
0: you know it was interesting how when I know Dr. Ede, she, she presented some information on the plants again but the big thing that all dietitians will tell you if you listen to a dietitian um, run, Get away. (laughs) Because what they tell you is you need to eat everything in moderation, which we know that's worked.
1: Variety is the cornerstone of a good diet.
0: Eat the rainbow. Yeah. Uh,
1: Eat less, move more. And
0: low fat. Low fat. Avoid red meat. It's
1: just calories in, calories out. Those are all things that do not work.
0: So the eat the rainbow and the, the variety is the cornerstone of good health fly right in the face of this information that comes out about not only how plants are toxic, but also, if you were to strip back, like we've said a hundred times, take away the grocery stores. We watched a video today on YouTube about this couple who lives in their 13-foot, um, what's that kind of RV? Scamp camper. Scamp camper. Little bitty thing. They live out in the woods. So, he's got video. He's walking around, and he finds a bush, a raspberry bush. Guess how many berries are on it?
1: There was like one. There
0: was one. There was one raspberry on the raspberry wild raspberry bush. So they're out in the middle of the woods. He found some poisonous mushrooms, too. So, <laughs> know. you know, I mean, when you start talking about variety, if you strip everything away, there's not a lot of variety out there. Uh, it's no. just...
1: If you try to go out and survive in the wilderness, you have to hunt and kill animals to survive. If, yeah. if not, you're going to be so... Uh, you know, deprived of food and just you'll starve and wilt away.
0: Yeah, you'll just you'll just die. I mean, you need protein and you need fat. Oh, what's also funny? We were watching the hand. We've been watching the Handmaid's Tale for any of you Handmaid's Tale fans out there. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm addicted. And in one of the episodes, one of the Marthas, she's talking about the baby needs protein and fat, and I was like hitting Steve because I was like protein and fat she didn't say carbs
1: yes she did not say carbs so, and, and I caught a lot of heat last week because I posted something that I didn't say I heard a doctor say it and said if, if, if you're not eating a keto diet then he thinks you're being a bad mom is that right? no not a good mom
0: not a good mom don't say the word bad you get in trouble for bad. that
1: uh, yeah I caught some serious flack for, for implying that if a pregnant mom did not eat a ketogenic diet that she was bad
0: well, you know that clip. It's on the low carb USA question and answer thing, and the way the context of that is in pregnancy, there's vital nutrients that the new that the baby needs to grow and develop, and those vital nutrients are proteins and fats, and there is no need for the carbohydrates. There,
1: there is not a single need in the body for a carbohydrate at all.
0: No, not to be consumed by your mouth. You make them. And the thing is, he just pointed out the fact that if you're going to develop a strong, healthy baby, this is a really important fact to get across. And he said, I'm going to be very blunt, bold here. Mm -hmm. And he knew what he was doing. You can't be a doctor in a public forum and say something like that without having a lot of confidence that you're saying the right thing. And I was just really impressed. In fact, people clapped. So, I, you know, I have to agree. I didn't need a ketogenic diet while pregnant, and um, I take full responsibility for that.
1: Well, and, and the low-fat, high-carb diet was what everyone did back in the '90s when, when you know, we were having kids. So you can't look back and be hard on yourself because you were doing what the doctor or the dietitian recommended that you do. Exactly. Which now we can look back and is incorrect, but they still recommend the same crap. And that's what is frustrating about the whole process.
0: Well, it's like the world's gone crazy because we're shaming women for nursing their babies. It's like the world <laughs> has gone mad.
1: Right. It has you know, gone it's mad. It's just
0: crazy. You're shaming a mom for trying to provide nutrients to her newborn. Take her away from the, like all the other stuff conveniences of the world, how is that baby going to survive without doing that? Well, I'm sorry if our nipples offend you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry.
1: Okay. So talking about babies, this and this will segue is another big topic of the conference was you heard the microbiome a lot when people got up to speak to talk about the microbiome. And where, where do babies inherit their microbiome?
0: Oh, they get it from their mother.
1: So they get it from their mother it's passed down, so whatever the mother was eating while she was pregnant, and this goes back to why we recommend a keto diet for pregnant women, you're going to pass on a good microbiome to the baby.
0: Right, and of course, that also has to do with how the baby is born, whether it's vaginally or whether it's C-section. Unfortunately, all mine were C-section, um, but vaginal births obviously are best because actually, what happens is the baby swallows that bacteria coming out of the birth canal, and that's what. Inoculates the the child. And nature is perfect in in how it's designed that way. And we try to just screw with it day in and day out and mess it up. But yes, the microbiome.
1: So, and a lot of things that went into microbiome. I I know one speaker said, If you have a leaky gut, you have a leaky brain. I can't remember who said it. But I
0: don't remember who said it either, but it was said more than once by more than one person. Right,
1: And this goes back to how do you, how do you make a good microbiome? What are you supposed to be doing? Now, we, we can just say eat a ketogenic diet and leave it at that, but we like to take it further than that. Because some people just eat low carb and not keto, and there's a difference. And then mm-hmm. some people want to eat carnivore. So what is that doing to your microbiome?
0: Well, you know, I think we have to step back a little further. And where the microbiome really starts is within that digestive process in the stomach. And if that's broken from there, then we're going to be broken all the way down into that gut bacteria because we have to digest those proteins and absorb those fats first to produce a good microbiome. But as we were listening to all the speakers... You know, We're always told we need a lot of plants and a lot of plant material for mm-hmm. that gut microbiome to be healthy, but what's interesting is, I know we've heard Steve, Dr. Stephen Finney say this more than once, that your colonocytes, or the bacteria in the colon, what it really likes is butyrate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Butyrate, you can get from butter very easily. Right. And also, when you make ketones you make, that's butyrate. So a ketogenic diet works perfectly for the colon. Um, You shouldn't have any bacteria in your small intestine. If you do, that's called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. There shouldn't be bacteria there. And that's where that leaky gut comes in. So if your food has not been digesting, you can get that leaky gut, and then that gut-brain connection, you can get a leaky gut brain, or a leaky blood-brain barrier. And then things go into your brain that shouldn't be there.
1: And in addition to that, it, to, to keep a healthy microbiome, a lot of them suggested avoiding certain plants that had uh, certain things in them, like oxalates we talked about earlier, yeah. lectins, and phytates. Now, you're going to ask, what plants have ox- oxalates... Lectins and phytates.
0: Yeah, I know we don't have time. We don't want to just list them here, but you know, your lectins are kind of like beans, nuts, rice, and um, soybeans. I just don't think there's really much of a place for beans in in the diet. I just
1: especially soybeans.
0: Especially soybeans.
1: Well, my my point is is what is is not to list them all, but to say. It's a lot.
0: It's a lot. And, um, you know, these are things you can go and find online. List of uh, foods with high phytates. Uh, You can get lists of foods with lectins and then oxalates. There's a thing called a low oxalate diet, which is something that I need to be on because I had such high levels of oxalate when I went carnivore. I mobilized all those toxins in my body and had some really severe skin rashes and things like that. So it's um, it's really interesting how these seemingly innocent plants, like we you know everybody wants to eat a big spinach salad mm-hmm. when they go keto, and put a whole bunch of you know fruits and vegetables in, or well not fruits probably if you're keto but a whole bunch of other vegetables and a lot of these things actually. Um, when you're having things like joint pain and you're still having brain fog, and there's several other symptoms like fibromyalgia, all these different things that could be associated with sugar and carbs, they actually can also be associated with this oxalate deposit in your body. And it's just it's just a little interesting how when you take those foods out, you really start seeing um, your body heal.
1: Well, you know, when you talk about phytates and you talk about phytic acid, so um, most of the population you'll hear, they're they're deficient in, in iron and zinc and calcium, huge deficiencies across our population. So what does phytic acid do? It blocks the consumption of iron, zinc, and calcium.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you're
1: eating foods that, that have phytates or are high in phytic acid – you're blocking your consumption of those essential, you know, minerals that you have to have.
0: Right. And then lectins do the same thing. So one sample uh, or one example is that let's say you eat a high a food high in zinc such as an oyster. So you eat that with black beans now. So when you eat the oyster, you absorb all of it. You get all the benefit. You eat the oyster with black beans and now you only absorb half of the nutrients. Then you eat the oyster with a corn tortilla, and now you've absorbed zero of the nutrients of the zinc because the corn blocks all of it from no. absorbing. No,
1: I know you're probably asking yourself who eats corn tortillas and oysters?
0: Well, you know, if you had a fried oyster like taco on <laughs> a Mexican corn tortilla, Sailors, that's
1: your answer. That's Mexican <laughs> Sailors. That
0: is your answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody out there probably does. Man, I used to love fried oysters, they wow. were so good. But I don't do fryer oil anymore because Doctor Oz says it's a it's a um, it's a hard like what did I say? Rigid. Rigid fat. It's a rigid fat.
1: Rigid fat. So so again, (laughs) you need to look into oxalates, lectins, and phytates. There, it's important to know uh, what what has those and if you're getting too much of them. Um, The last thing we're
0: going to get an expert on here in oxalates because it's so interesting. Too much to go into.
1: Uh, The last thing we're going to hit on is how much protein was talked about. And this is big and important to the ketogenic community because protein is always a topic of conversation.
0: It always is. So there was a lot of question about protein consumption. And again, at this conference, it was a switch from what we've heard bounced around in the ketogenic community in the last couple of years which was the fear of protein and gluconeogenesis and all those things? Well, without gluconeogenesis, you die
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> if
0: you're not eating carbs.
1: When we first started to get into this, uh, the comment was made and I, and I heard it about if you're gonna if you're gonna eat a big steak, you might as well eat chocolate cake.
0: I think they just said it because it rhymed.
1: Well, well could be <laughs> I
0: think they, they believed it. They,
1: they were and they that's just again a hot button trying to make a point. And it was, what they were saying was if you eat too much protein. Uh, your body is going to use that uh, those amino acids and go through gluconeogenesis, and you're going to be kicked out of ketosis. That was the point they were trying to make. However, right. what we found along the way is that's not true.
0: No, it's not true. And in fact, we've tested it ourselves. We've talked about it on here before. And now we have so many other people who are also testing it. We get texts and messages all the time. People who've gone carnivore, they're eating delicious ribeyes or big hamburger patties. And their ketones are through the roof and their blood sugar is really balanced. So, you know, I mean, I, I can understand where the idea came from. And that's the thing. We're always learning. Once we say the science is settled, we're, we're screwed because well, we're no longer searching.
1: What happened was that scared a lot of people into eating low protein. And low protein is not healthy either. So you had all these people that were like, oh, I don't want to eat too much protein because that'll kick me out of ketosis. And people were kind of obsessed with being in being in ketosis. Um, so they would go low protein. And then women would have issues where they would lose their menstrual cycle.
0: Lose their menstrual cycle. Start losing hair. Hair would become brittle. Um, nails chip crack easily. All these different things. Just low protein. And, of course, loss of lean muscle mass, which is a huge thing as you get older. This is such an interesting Aspect too, as you get older, you actually need more protein. So ladies, stop skimping on the protein, eat yourself a big fat steak and enjoy that meat. Just keep the carbs low. And if you build extra muscle, then now you have a place for glycogen storage. So you're going to be more insulin sensitive. You're building insulin sensitivity and you're going to be able to handle... Any, any kind of glucose in your blood better, mm-hmm. which they also now equate to um, the more muscle mass you have as you get older, the less likely you are to develop Alzheimer's because you have a place for that glycogen to go, the sink of the muscles mm-hmm. where it dumps it into the muscles rather than in the bloodstream circulating around causing all kinds of havoc and chaos.
1: Well, and, and that was the, the theme at this low carb was get adequate protein. Don't do a low protein diet. Go ahead and get adequate protein. And, and we even say that if you're going to overdo any anything, overdo protein.
0: Yeah, If you, if you make absolutely. a mistake,
1: make the mistake on protein.
0: You have to remember your entire body is made of it. It's just so important. Every single cell is protein. So it, it's just super necessary. It's
1: way better than overdoing carbohydrates.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, we always say this. There's not a single disease that's derived from carbohydrate deficiency. (laughs) If you know of one, please tell us because so far we can't find anyone that can tell us of a carbohydrate deficient disease. So I think that says a lot right there. But there are protein deficiencies that lead to disease, and you can definitely have a fat deficiency.
1: Oh, yeah. It's called mental illness.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, yeah, if you you low fat too long, your your brain will not work. You're going to have some mental problems.
0: Yeah, so this was a great conference. We wanted to just talk about a few things that we took away. There were a lot of great speakers. Um, Can't possibly tell you everything they said, but you should go to a conference yourself. Um, I know KetoCon is coming up uh, next June. You could go in January to low-carb in West Palm Beach.
1: Just do some research. There are more and more conferences, low-carb, keto, coming up all the time because people are out there screaming for the information. And they and it's great because they, they want to see the science and talk to the experts and really get some deep questions answered.
0: Yeah. And these conferences are open to the public. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not it. just for medical professionals or nutritionists or things like that. It's for... Everybody, and you can definitely benefit. There was a lot of breakout sessions. We didn't even talk about those. Zach Bitter talking about uh, keto and endurance. He's Mm -hmm. the world record holder for most miles run on a track in 12 hours. Yep. And just a phenomenal athlete um, who uses a ketogenic diet. His wife also, uh, Nicole, she uses a low-carb diet. Um, I think I, I, I would say ketogenic.
1: And we always get the question, or, or you always hear the question of, but is it safe long-term? Well, she's been doing it for hmm, around 20 years. All right. Hey, well, well, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. And then uh, we'll see you next time.
0: All right. So eat, fat, and prosper.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tasco Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review.
0: Don't forget to send your questions to vtkquestions at gmail.com. And visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.